0: That's for hesitating during the escape. If it wasn't for me, we'd still be stuck in there. Yeah, funny how that worked out.
1: It's time for Send in the Clones. Join your host. Joe and Robbie on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Obi-Wan Kenobi is dead, or so Anakin and Ahsoka believe, after Obi-Wan fakes his own death and changes his face to go undercover in prison. There he proves his toughness and wins the confidence of the anti-Palpatine conspirator Moralo Eval.
2: Hey, troops! it's your old buddy, Bucho, on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship, and he's on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Obi-Wan to my Anakin. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello there. And we are going to talk about the 81st episode episode of the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology, written by Brent Friedman and directed by Kyle Dunleavy. It's season four, episode 15, Deception. So Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know if there are any details you remembered about Deception before you rewatched it again this week?
0: Well, yeah, it's Obi-Wan getting his head shaved and getting a beard trim and all <laughs> yep. that kind of stuff. I mean...
2: I'm sure that's unforgettable. <laughs> Once you see that, yeah, it, you never forget.
0: I remember this whole arc and I... Again, you know, with arcs, it's sort of hard to remember exactly what happens in each one, but this one was pretty vivid because I remembered him, you know, him getting into prison. I remembered him, you know, them breaking out, all that kind of stuff. I guess the main thing is that I really wanted to pay attention to is like, I can't remember what Obi-Wan looks like without it. And it's weird. He's almost very... I guess you don't see him, you know, too much to really uh, form a picture in your mind of of what he looks like without the hair and without the, the beard, but... I don't know, it's a strange episode for sure, It's and it's a cool idea. But yeah, I mean, it it seems dangerous. It just seems really dangerous.
2: <laughs> yeah, and maybe the most dangerous thing of the whole plan is not telling Anakin. And after seeing how good Anakin is at acting in the Slaver arc, and the Zygerian arc, where Anakin did a real good job of fooling Queen Mirage, although, you know, maybe the Prime Minister wasn't as taken in by his act. It just seemed like maybe the Jedi Council doesn't know Anakin enough. You know, maybe like what we know from what we've seen of Anakin, we can guess that he's going to become a real fly in the ointment. So the setup where he's not told feels a little bit overly contrived for me, even though I like the idea of it. I like the idea of... I mean, it's not an original idea, the thing where some person changes their appearance and goes undercover and no one else knows about it, and so someone who loves them ends up, you know, going up against them, fighting them, maybe even trying to kill them. That is a fun idea. It's a fun Story for you know film or or shows or any sort of story, but I wondered if maybe part of the point they were making is that the council doesn't really know Anakin well enough. I mean, they should at least surely send him off somewhere to keep him busy so that he doesn't become that fly in the ointment. I don't know. Does any of that make sense, Robbie?
0: Yeah, no, it, it does, and it's one of those things that April and I have talked about many, many times in different shows. She goes, I hate when movies. Or plots can be explained away with a simple conversation, you know? Or, here's a different one. Why does Obi-Wan have to become the guy that everybody thinks killed Obi-Wan? Seems like if they had picked a different bounty hunter for him to emulate, it would have solved this whole problem. You wouldn't have Anakin on their tail and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I mean, I I get what they're doing here. And I like this arc. I have a a lot of uh, fond memories of this so it's one of those things where it's kind of like eh you just kind of have to accept the fact that yeah Anakin's gonna be definitely a problem you know I mean he's just it's just the way it is but I totally get what you're saying though it's like do you not know that Anakin is gonna be a loose cannon here but hey what do you you know I don't
2: know yeah but also like I I mean was I guess was trying to get at maybe that is intentional because you know we know that anakin's arc is eventually to turn against the jedi council and so the jedi council not knowing what they are doing by not letting anakin on the plan i understand that from a storytelling point of view because it maybe tells us i mean i'm just repeating myself it tells us that they don't know him that well you know as well as i guess we in the audience do which you know maybe we could question well i mean obi-wan at the very least should know And if Obi-Wan is in on the plan, you know, then it's, I don't know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I did not question why Obi-Wan had to become the bounty hunter who killed Obi-Wan because making him into a Jedi killer, that gives him extra cred once he gets into the underworld and makes him more likely to be trusted and picked up by the guys that he's trying to be picked up by. So, yeah, I was good with that But
0: I get that. It's just that, you know, maybe the whole point of, not letting anakin in on the plan is as you said a story or a plot device that plants that extra seed where anakin feels you know mistrusted i don't know i mean it's one of those things where it could be a seed that's planted for the future and i totally get the whole that obi-wan definitely as this bounty hunter ends up having a lot more credit for rollo and cad bane and all that kind of stuff and even even some of the other inmates I liked all that, but at the same time, it's kind of like seems like a, a like a half-hatched kind of plan. You know what I mean? There's yeah. there's a lot could, that could go wrong here.
2: It sure is, Robbie. But one of the things that doesn't go wrong, like you just said is when Obi-Wan meets the other inmates first of all I don't know the character's name but he's another shark man like old shark man Rift Hams and a a Kakaradon I believe they're called and he's the first one to come up and challenge Obi-Wan slash Hardeen or Obi-Wan Rako maybe we call him and I just thought it was fun and funny how Obi-Wan's line ended up Being about how he was going to eat Shark Man and how there's a bit of meta there that, you know, sharks are man eaters, but in the way that Obi Wan's playing it in the story he's his angle is, hey, how about I eat you? And I just thought that was fun.
0: Yeah, I mean it's kinda cool to see, you know, that you know that it's Obi Wan and you see him kinda be a tough guy, it's kinda fun to see, you know? I mean, I don't know. I like this angle of, you know, infiltrating the underworld. I just think it's a cool idea.
2: Yeah, there is an just an inherent thrill to any sort of undercover story because there's constant tension the whole time about whether our guy's going to get discovered, you know? And part of what makes it fun is that James Arnold Taylor, who plays Obi-Wan all the time, he also plays Obi-Wan as Rocco Hardin. And I didn't know this until afterwards. I thought he changed the voice so much that I wouldn't have been surprised at all if it was a different actor. In fact, I assumed it was a different actor. So, I mean, how do you like this James Arnold Taylor voice, Robbie?
0: I mean, I think... Pretty much every voice actor on this show has proven that they're like cream of the crop. But yeah, man, I didn't even realize that because of timing and everything. I wasn't able to do a lot of the back research on this episode in particular. But yeah, that's really awesome. I didn't even realize because he even speaks differently. He has a different speech pattern and everything. So yeah, yeah, that's really, really impressive.
2: It sure is, Robbie. And also impressive seeing Cad Bane with no hat and no respirator apparatus and of course we also get to meet this Moralo Evel and I found it quite tough to get a beat on this character like at first he seems like maybe just a tough guy and then as it goes on there's the sense that he's the brains of the operation and I think part of what made him tough to get a beat on is this performance by Steven Stanton who also plays Tarkin and Mazameda and it's specifically the sliminess that he puts in Moralo Eval's voice because slimy characters are intentionally difficult to kind of get a beat on and get a sense of who they are so I don't know did you feel the same way about Moralo Ival or did you get him more than I did?
0: Well, no, I mean, I I think he's almost intentionally a little vague. You know, you don't really know. I mean, you know he's a bad guy. That's pretty much all we need to know, at least at this point. But uh, but yeah, he doesn't seem to be... I mean, just from what I've seen so far, you know, or what we've seen so far, he doesn't seem to be very good at what he does so far. He's kind of like dependent upon Cad Bane and and Obi-Wan here to get out of this. I mean, he doesn't really offer any help. So it's a little weird. It's it's almost like he's the boss kind of character, and at least this at least is yeah. what I got from him. So yeah, we don't really know where he stands as of yet.
2: Yeah, that's what I was, uh, I guess what I was trying to say is that at first he seems like he's going to be muscle and just a tough guy, but the more it goes on, Yeah, it feels like he is the boss. And so, I mean, I guess by the end, that's the point. He is the guy that is the boss. And so, by the end, I kind of understood him more. But at the start, I just didn't quite get where he was coming from. And of course, the other fun element of this episode is we get to go back into that good old, bad old Coruscant underworld where we see an alien snake bartender. That's awesome. And I also found it interesting that the denizens of the bar seemed pretty stoked that Obi-Wan had been killed. I mean, when Hardin goes in there and announces it, he gets a big cheer. But just coming back to why Hardin would go in there and announce it in the first place. I guess he knew his audience for one thing, but it seemed as either something really fishy or really dumb about announcing to the public that you killed a Jedi, even when you're in a place that seems friendly to people who kill Jedis. Did you get anything like that?
0: Oh, yeah. For the most part, we are in a... TV type format, and that lends itself to kind of taking little shortcuts here and there when it comes to story development. So that's always one of those things where I kind of have to understand and just kind of give them a pass on. But it is a little annoying because it's like, why would you do that? You don't know who's there. Yeah. I mean, did you did you actually scan the room and go, okay, yeah, I know all these people. I mean, it's it's it it seems very very short sighted. It
2: actually made me think at that time that he was in on it and intentionally right being. He, you know, right? He's either really dumb, or he's actually secretly being really smart. On because we find out later, he's just kind of dumb. But it made me think it was so obvious. I was thinking, oh, this guy's in on the plan. Right? And he's trying to get the word out that everyone's dead. You know, intentionally to set something up.
0: Yeah, and but even the the Moralo evolve kind of befriending obi-wan there so all you had to do is stab a a a shark man in the in the hand and you're gonna become friends with him. i mean it just seemed it's one of those things where in a story like this typically you know it kind of takes a while and there's a little bit of having to kind of prove yourself and introduce yourself and then maybe they reject you at first and then you kind of have to you know do i mean you know what i'm saying it seemed like there was a shortcut there in that oh now obi-wan's part of the team kind of thing it just seemed very quick (laughs) you know
2: yeah I didn't have any issue with that part I mean partly because hardin slash Obi-Wan at that point has this reputation as a Jedi killer so everyone is looking at him as he comes in going oh that's the Jedi killer you know that someone like Moralo is going to be interested in him to start with and then he proves himself by taking out one of the big bullies in the prison so you know I fight yeah when Moralo went up to talk to him I felt like yeah that makes a lot of sense especially when we get to the end and we find out that Moralo is a a few strings in there and is one of the big dogs in prison himself at least when it comes to being a boss in there you know he's going to want to know everyone and this guy who's a Jedi killer and who is obviously a super tough guy it made sense to me that Morale would want to get to know him
0: yeah but i always like the in these kinds of stories i like the fact that our character that's undercover has to do some you know maybe some unscrupulous things to kind of gain the trust right you know what i mean it's it's almost like he didn't quite earn that just yet but at the same time i get what you're saying
2: sure well he definitely doesn't earn it from cad I mean, all the way along the way, Cad Bane is side-eyeing him. And there's right. moments along the way where Obi-Wan slash Rocco is tested, like when he refuses to shoot that guard. Right. And he comes up with the excuse, uh, uh my gun jammed! Yeah, <laughs> but, You know, so he's sort of... They've got their eye on him at all times, especially Cad Bane. But just going back <laughs> to a couple of things, I really liked when we see Obi-Wan talking to Yoda, Master Yoda and Mace about the plan right before he gets changed into Rocco Hardin. There's a part where he says to Yoda... I fell from the top of a building I could have killed myself and I just like the little joke about how I could have killed myself pretending to die Yeah, you know like he took a big hit and of course Yoda says you know you've done you've done worse you've taken harder hits But a part that didn't quite work as well is just found it was a little goofy that Obi-Wan would choose To make his transmission from a wide open public spot Like the gymnasium Especially not long after making such a big show Of announcing his presence as a character not to be messed with And therefore kind of making sure that he would almost always have eyes on him So it just was a little bit goofy that he's right there in the middle of the gymnasium Especially after kind of bullying these two guys off And hey I'm just going to get the communicator out in plain sight here And talk into it Yeah
0: yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go sit down to work out and then not work out. It <laughs> yeah. is a uh... And talk to myself. Yeah, exactly. It was just. uh...
2: Yeah, it was pretty silly, but not silly. Something that I really liked. Boba Fett, young Boba Fett's in there, and I didn't recognize him visually at first. But as soon as he opened his mouth, as soon as that Boba Fett voice came out, which is of course Daniel Logan, right? Mm -hmm. That was fun. See, he's so he's so still a kid, but he's you know he's feeling froggy, and he's gonna go up and attack the dude who's just shown that he's not to be messed with by taking out the Shark Man. Although, of course, we find out later that his aggression was kind of sponsored by Cad Bane as a way to create a division, but I was just a fan of getting to see Boba Fett again and getting to see that Boba Fett is not afraid to take on one of the toughest guys in the whole joint even though he's still a kid
0: yeah I I really I was one of those kids that always liked Boba Fett even though he didn't really do a whole lot in the original trilogy you know we didn't see him I thought you
2: were just going to say you're one of those kids that would try and fight the toughest guy
0: (laughs) that is totally not me that is totally not me (laughs) But no, no, I
2: get you. You're a, definitely a big Boba Fett fan. Yeah,
0: I always have been, and I love this kind of stuff. It just adds a little bit to his character, and I love that Bosk, you know, kind of stood up for him too. Yeah, said so, basically yep. saying if you mess with Boba, you mess with me. And I guess it's just one of those little tiny little details that adds sort of uh, kind of a flourish to what you see later. You know, it seems like Boba and Bosk were very linked for a long time. So I just really like that. And, and of course, seeing them in Empire together, it's it's just kind of neat. I just, I like that stuff.
2: Well, speaking of stuff we like, Robbie, it's time to talk about our favorite shots of the episode. And you have already mentioned this right at the start. My favorite shot is just getting to see bald, clean-shaven Obi-Wan. <laughs> my note here was that he kind of looked a little bit like Lux Bonteri. And maybe it's just some sort of recency thing where, you know, we've just seen this Lux Bonteri again in a recent episode, but the similar eyes, similar eyebrows. I don't know. Obviously, Lux Bonteri has hair and whatever. So this is... I'm not talking there's a one-to-one thing, but that's what it reminded me of. But it was just fun to see bald, clean-shaven Obi-Wan. That was my shot of the episode. But, Robbie, what was your favorite shot of Deception?
0: Well, I have... I have one that's definitely my favorite shot, but it's pretty simple. It's when Cad Bane kicks off the wall to uh, take out that trooper. I just, I don't know. I just liked it. It was a real quick thing, but I think my favorite moment in the episode is when Obi-Wan is asking about how the vocal emulator works. Oh, yeah. And Mace Windu says, you swallow it. He seems to enjoy that. Mace does? Yeah. Yeah. He seems to, he's like, you swallow it. You know, it's just, there's something about how playful that was yeah. that I just really like that. Uh, it's just, I don't know. That's one of my favorite moments in the episode there.
2: Yeah, that whole part of the episode is fun because it looks so painful and you know it's going to be painful. I mean, the way that your face,
0: it's like his whole <laughs>
2: face structure, your bone structure is changing, almost like when someone becomes a werewolf, you know, in the best werewolf movies it always looks painful when they go through the transformation and this had the same kind of thing with Obi-Wan where it looked it didn't look like fun and so he's sitting there wincing watching it but I don't know these last few episodes you know going at least as far back as the Slaver arc Obi-Wan has gone through a ton man this dude gets beat up a lot in this uh, season of the show and somehow, I mean maybe this says not such a great thing about me, but there's something a little bit fun about it, just I guess because we know he's tough and we know nothing's actually going to happen to it and it's sort of the real story that comes out of it is really about his toughness. But now it's time to bring this one in for a landing, Robbie. So we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your third ever watch of Deception, how did you like it and where does Deception sit on that four star Robbie scale?
0: Well for me this is one of those that I feel like... Feel like what? I haven't
2: watched
0: watched all of this arc yet, but it's one of those things where even though I know that this is not like super important to the overall story, I still really, really like it. It's just a lot of fun, and it puts our characters in situations that we have never seen before. And I like that. I like that about it. So for me, this one is going to be a... Like a 3.1 out of 4.
2: Okay, yeah, I mean, I think you definitely liked it a lot more than I did. And I'm not going to say that I didn't like it overall. I'm still going to give it a positive, you know, something above 5. I'm only going to give it a 6. But it was sort of nudging up there because I did enjoy, like I said, that opening part where the actual transformation happens. And I did enjoy seeing Boba Fett come in and throw down with him so... I'm just I'm just going to give it a six tentacled spider voice control droids crawling down your throat out of ten. God, that's ter- terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> Even that scene alone almost makes me want to give it a seven because, like I said, overall I did enjoy it. It's just there were sort of fundamental questions that I had about it that stops me from giving it any higher rating. But that's mission accomplished for Season 4, Episode 15, Deception. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know If they want to send us a transmission about how I should be rating this episode higher, what are our communications channels?
0: Sure, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y.
2: Yes, sir, and of course the troops can join us again next time for the 82nd episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 4, Episode 16, Friends and Enemies. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out.
1: Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Buccio and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Robbie at gmail.com.
0: May the Force be with you.